0: I'm Nora McNerney, and this is terrible. Thanks for asking. There's this thing on the internet, and basically, now when I say the internet, I just mean Instagram, but there's this thing called Transformation Tuesday. It's a hashtag like everything, and it's used to document transformations, (laughs) all kinds of transformations, before and afters of haircuts, makeovers. It's used a lot in weight loss circles, it's where you share your transformation. On what day of the week? Tuesday. It's a whole thing. It's very inspiring. And, you know, there's an element of it that's kind of sad because we should just be able to love ourselves no matter what we look like. But we are a culture of contrast. We are a culture that is constantly wrestling between body positivity and the biggest loser, Kardashian waist trainers, and social media perfection. All of us struggle with that. All of us are caught up. In that complicated wrestling match of loving ourselves, where and how we are, and trying to change. Some transformations happen organically. If you need a reminder of how far you've come, check out your high school yearbook. We grow. We get grown-up teeth. Our brains develop. Like There's a whole part of your brain when you're a teenager that's just not ready yet that eventually comes to be, we become the people we were born to be. And sometimes these changes are because of some external driving force. Sometimes transformations happen as a matter of choice. And those choices can be any number of things. We make resolutions and promises. We sign up for 30-day challenges and for 5Ks that we may or may not run. We read a lot of self-improvement books. We spend thousands of dollars on a weekend with Tony Robbins, or no dollars just watching that Netflix documentary a few times. For Carver and Mimi, the transformation they chose was of the extreme weight loss variety. And that is what changed everything. Oh, actually, first you're going to both introduce yourselves to me.
1: Mimi can go first.
2: (laughs) I feel like I want to introduce Carver. (laughs) Yeah, you can introduce each other.
1: Okay, Mimi, you got to say something.
0: You introduce me first, then. You know what? Why don't I start? I'll take over here. It's quite literally my job. So, in 2010, Mimi was living in Halifax, Canada. That's on the extreme east coast, by the way, on the Atlantic Ocean. This is Mimi, describing who she was in 2010.
2: I think I looked sad. I was very overweight. I, I felt enormous. I felt physically incapable of climbing a flight of stairs, let alone three flights of stairs. I felt slow and tired and mad at myself. I felt like I had to do something or... I was never going to be okay. Um, I felt this, like, spark of drive to just change something, anything, because I was just so miserable and felt so completely unworthy and unlovable. I was, what, size 22, and I had... uh, Just a sad face.
0: (laughs) Now, on the other side of the continent is Carver in Seattle.
1: Uh, So I weighed 270 pounds. Uh, I was in a marriage, but I was, I won't say unhappy, but I felt like my life, there was supposed to be more. I was turning 40. And... At 40, I realized that I was going to be 70 in the blink of an eye, and I needed to do something about that. I was depressed. I had a very bad relationship with food. I was playing World of Warcraft for eight hours a day on my days off, and I literally grew into a chair. When I first bought the chair, I fit in it, and then a year later, I didn't. I could no longer sit in that chair anymore because I had grown into it I'd, I'd gained so much weight over the course of that over that year yeah I was just in a bad place a lot of dark clouds were sort of hanging out over my head and and I realized that I needed to to do something about that
0: The some things that Carver and Mimi chose to do were to start working out and eating differently. In the fall of 2010, Mimi and Carver were in the process of changing their lives. Their weight, their bodies, had been a source of shame and anxiety for them for as long as they could remember. And now, they were each writing about this very, very personal process all of these personal choices and they were writing about them publicly they each had a blog
1: it was like a food journal in the very beginning uh just to talk about you know what i ate and how many calories i burned and and all of that but then it really became this um this sort of safe space for me to talk about things that were coming up so um as I was losing weight, I realized that the I was holding on to weight for a couple of different reasons. I've dealt with chronic depression in my family. I, I dealt with anxiety, also being on the Asperger spectrum. Um, it just gave me a really safe space to be like, you know what, I'm feeling really freaked out, or I'm feeling really anxious about this. Uh, I'm also feeling really good about this. So it just became like this, I don't know, it was almost like a I don't know, like a big soft pillow that I could just lay down and just, you know, think about my thoughts and, and put them out there for the world to. It's read. so interesting
0: say, to hear you describe the internet as a nice soft pillow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like, uh, sometimes I would want to wail into that pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so, the way the blogosphere worked back in the day, um, someone would share a comment and you'd see who posted and you could sort of follow along the trail of blogs from the comment line and carver had seen a comment on someone else's blog that i had left and he found me and coincidentally that same day we had shared a blog post using the same photo from the interwebs something about uh well the picture was um
1: some motivation required and so it the the picture was a a small caveman being chased by a T Rex. So you know the caveman's running, right? So there's the motivation. And I think that that's what it, I think that that's what the blog posts were about. Were about how um, it's it it was hard. It's hard to find motivation to lose weight. So you really have to work at it. Like you really have to sort of dig deep because we don't have that big, you know, metaphorical T Rex running us down to to lose weight.
2: Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And uh, he left a comment on my blog saying, "Hey." I think I'm going to stalk you.
1: (laughs) Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm going to start stalking you, which is pretty much what I did.
2: (laughs) I go to the blog and I check it out and I read back and I realize how similar the things we're writing about are and how much we're very much in the same space. Like we were along the same kind of path and experiencing a lot of the same things. And I just remember feeling very connected to this person. I felt like Carver was my cheerleader. Um, So I would always look for the comments from them on my blog each time I posted, and I think v- vice versa. Yeah. Carver and Mimi would
0: comment back and forth on each other's posts, and they found in one another a cheerleader, a friend, someone to keep them going, someone to share their goals with, and to keep them motivated. Uh, I'm gonna
2: deadlift 100 pounds.
1: Oh, I am gonna totally deadlift way more than that. I'm going for I'm going for 175.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna run around the corner. Oh, uh,
1: I'm gonna run a mile.
2: Yes, I want to see my bicep when I flex in the mirror. Pew
1: pew gun show. Pew. That's your goal. Gun show? Yeah, gun show. Pew pew. Sun's <laughs> out, guns out.
2: Woo. Uh, <laughs> I want to actually like myself more.
1: Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to like myself naked in the mirror.
2: Oh, wow. Next level.
1: Yeah. I want to have nice legs, like nice muscular hockey legs.
2: Uh, I want to get in a new dress size.
1: Oh yeah, it was, yeah, that was cool. Getting down into the lower, lower, uh, sizes. So
2: many pictures of Carver's pants, Nora. Like the starting pants and then the smaller pants and then smaller, 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 smaller. yeah. Remember, all of this is happening in the
0: comment section on their blogs. With other commenters there, really. Like, everything they post is something that other commenters can see, can interact with. By the spring of 2011, Carver and Mimi had hit goal after goal after goal. And for Mimi, it felt great, not just physically.
2: I was the strongest I remember ever being in my life. I felt mentally open for the first time. Like I could handle things that before in my life, I never thought I could. I felt successful, like I'd conquered something. And I felt almost like I was anticipating something big, but I didn't know what that was going to be.
0: The more they shared, the closer they became. Each of them had hit their biggest milestones, losing about 120 pounds each. And Mimi found out that she was going out west for a work conference in April, a work conference that happened to be just a few hours
2: from where Carver lived. I remember saying, so, hey, I'm going to be coming out to Vancouver for this work meeting. What are the odds we can try to connect? And I remember Carver saying, we're going to make it happen.
0: Yeah. So, come April, Carver is driving from Seattle to Vancouver to meet Mimi for the first time in person. And somewhere along the drive, Carver turns to their friend who's coming along.
1: And I remember um, sort of being a jokester. And I had told my friend to uh, text Mimi and tell Mimi that we got, I got pulled over at the border, that I had a warrant out for my arrest, and that we weren't actually coming.
2: Lies. I knew it.
1: Yeah. It didn't go over very well. But um.
0: Also, this is the kind of joke that I play where it's not funny, <laughs> and it's, like, really intense. I
1: thought, I thought it was hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is hilarious. It's, that is funny. That's my kind of humor. I love making jokes that are extreme. And not traditionally humorous. My whole family is like this. We're like, oh yeah, tell mom I tell mom I broke my arms. <laughs> Just kidding. We're so. Weird. I think it's I think it's funny. Carver did not get stopped at the border, <laughs> but like, what if? I'm sorry. Anyway, Carver did not get stopped at the border. That was just a hilarious prank. And Carver shows up at the hotel where
2: Mimi is waiting in the lobby. And I knew what kind of car was going to be coming. And I could see the car coming through around the driveway. And I literally remember jumping up and down. That was our first impression is me jumping up and down in the hotel driveway as Carver's pulling in.
0: Really cool. Very chill.
2: Very, (laughs) you know, so calm, cool, and collected.
0: (laughs) I remember
1: when when I pulled up and Mimi was standing outside, I remember being just as excited to see her. Like, I was probably jumping up and down within the confines of my car. And I got out and we hugged and it, it felt perfect. And then I was really just in awe of um, who this person was I felt like they were way out of my ballpark very beautiful very smart, intelligent was coming from sort of an academia background I was not and I think that even the first day that we were hanging out, I don't remember doing much talking because I felt like anything that was going to come out of my mouth was going to sound like uneducated and
2: That's really funny because I remember Carver doing all the talking. I don't don't remember. And we'd go for these long walks while it was very quiet in Vancouver and find a cup of coffee at a 24-hour coffee joint. And I remember Carver doing most of the talking, telling me stories. But it was all very, just like your best friend in life was there hanging with you.
0: As somebody who's coming off 72 hours with my BFF, Dave, I got to tell you, this feeling is everything. It is everything when you meet a friend and they just get it. They get you. And it's like no need for introductions. This is just us catching up on a lifetime. But we've already sort of known each other. And we've known each other but not known each other. And now we can just talk about anything. Let's talk about the hardest things.
1: I remember we were talking about... um having new bodies Mm -hmm. and not knowing what to do with them. Like when I lost the weight, I was so self-conscious about the way my body looked, even though it looked better. I was so self-conscious about it that I, I was not being intimate with the person that I was with. And I remember having that conversation with Mimi, like, I don't know how to use this body.
2: And further, I don't know how to share this body. Yeah. Yeah. They got this
0: feeling this shiny new friendship feeling for 48 hours and then Carver drops Mimi back off at the work conference and drives back to Seattle back to normal life except not at all normal life
1: and it just it felt too far away um and literally like just sobbing my eyes out and i'm still i have to go back to my my then husband and i don't even i don't even know what's going on like i'm i'm not missing my husband, but I am immensely missing this person that I've, I've been around for, you know, physically for 48 hours. Um, and I think that that was probably the moment that I realized that something was, that there was something happening to, at least for me.
2: I didn't know that Carver was having intense feelings about me. So I definitely felt like our our time together was too short I was trying to figure out a way that I could come down to Seattle and hang out after my work conference. I was very distracted for my two days in conference. Uh, I remember Carver and I started texting as a way of trying to stay connected, even though we had to go back to our respective lives. So Carver, you start texting
0: this lady you oh, met no, on the okay.
1: So listen, inter- no, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. just, it wasn't just texting. <laughs> You're lucky if I was texting 100 times a month. We're talking 17,000 texts in the first month.
2: He's not lying. Our cell phone bill that first month was
0: ridiculous. Listeners should be reminded that unlimited texting is a relatively recent
2: (laughs) recent addition to your bill. We didn't have that.
1: Yeah, it was (laughs) 17,000 texts in the first month. So I was in love. (laughs)
0: Love. Okay, for 17,000 text messages, it had better be love. Okay, I've been married twice. I love both my husbands, not 17,000 texts worth in a pre-unlimited data era or even a current unlimited data era. I don't think I've ever sent 17,000 text messages, period, let alone to one human. Yeah, okay, so that's love. Or it's love for Carver, at least.
1: I needed her to know that I loved her, um, and that I was in love with her um, solely for the fact that she could understand that she actually is lovable. Because look, here I am. I I actually love you, and I'm in love with you. And and I remember having that. We it was like it was 5:30 in the morning for me. I was getting ready to go to the gym, of course. And um, so it was 9:30 for Mimi where she was. And I remember being on the phone and saying, "There, I have to tell you something," and. She was like, "Okay." And I was like, "I don't want you to take this the wrong way." And she was like, "Okay." And I was like, "No, I'm serious. Like, I'm not I'm not expecting anything." And and she was like, "Okay, tell me." And I was like, "I am in love with you." And then I threw the phone down.
2: And I remember time stopping.
1: Yeah, I, I, I threw the phone down and I was like, I'm not going to pick that back up because she's going to tell me that I'm being silly or whatever. Anyway, so I, I picked it back up and, and you know, I just said, I, I'm, I'm telling you this not because I want you to reciprocate. I don't, I'm, I'm not asking for anything in return. It was, I just want you to know that, that you are loved and that I love you and that you're lovable. And, and,
2: and then it. I remember saying, I don't know what to do with that.
1: I was still presenting very female to Mimi. Um, and so I was saying this as a as a woman, as a as a female. You know, here was a queer woman telling a straight woman that I I loved her.
2: And I think the confusion came from really, really wanting to love this person. But all of this confusion with my own sexuality? And what did that mean? And how would I tell people? And that's literally where my mind went when someone told me they loved me for the first time. That wasn't my parents. It was, what are other people going to think if I admit that I love this person? And what did that mean in my life?
0: And that was the first time anyone who wasn't your parents had said that they loved you? Yeah, in that sort of intimate I'm in love with you way. How would you imagine that would feel hearing those words for the first time? You can hear what I expect out of love by listening to early Taylor Swift albums. I'm like there's gonna be a staircase, <laughs> rain, precipitation of some kind.
2: Like, white horse. White horse. <laughs> there's a beach, there's, there's like a sweeping off the feet. Mm-hmm. There's the What we're both crying, I don't know, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes It shattered my world when it did because this was a person that I trusted intimately because they followed my life as it was unfolding in this transformative way for a year. And then they saw who I was in person and still needed to tell me they were in love with me. So I never imagined what it was going to be like. I never believed it was going to happen. And I think that's In part, why Carver felt it so important to tell me. So I kind of sat with that and tried to figure out what I was going to do. I remember the next time I talked to Carver, I said, I'm just going to hold on to that until I know what to do.
0: Whatever she believes about herself, Mimi is lovable. And that's what Carver needs Mimi to know, that she is lovable and she will find love love, whoever it's with. Carver isn't expecting anything from Mimi. Mimi is straight. Carver is married. Married. Regardless of how Mimi responds to Carver's admission, Carver is married. And it's complicated. At the same time that Carver had started their weight loss transformation the previous fall, Carver's partner was making their own transition from female to male. Carver was also born female and starting to realize some changes in their own gender identity. That's why you'll notice so many pronouns in this story, because there are many more ways to transform than just our weight.
1: As the more weight came off, the more I was realizing about my own gender identity, as my then husband was completing his transition, I realized that I, I wasn't the person for him anymore. Like he really needed a wife or a female counterpart to who he was in his identity. And I wasn't that person anymore. And so it was kind of a a crossroads for me. And I struggled a lot because it was, it was really unfamiliar
0: Carver doesn't know what if anything will happen with Mimi but Carver does know the fairest and most honest thing that they can do is also a very 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 hard thing to do this marriage has to end
1: my intention was I'm having feelings for somebody else and you deserve to be with somebody who is going to love you for exactly for who you are and and care about you as intensely as I'm caring about this person I don't even know so it was almost I want it was almost like I was giving him permission to go and find his person because I was not going to be that person anymore
0: and we're going to take a break with that Terrible Thanks for Asking has stuff you can buy. (laughs) You know what I love? Things, stuff, belongings, merchandise, objects, material, possessions, mugs, hats, notebooks, shirts. Those are some of the things that you'll find at ttfa.org slash shop. We made a terrible hat that I love so much. A hat that says terrible on it. It's a great hat. Such a conversation starter. I wore it in the airport. I was like, why are these people looking at me? I was like, I'm wearing a hat that says terrible and bright yellow letters across. (laughs) Then a person said to me, you don't look that terrible today. And I said, thank you. And they said, oh, no, the hat. I was like, oh, well, I thought it was just a compliment. But Uh, you can buy all of this and more. You can buy happiness at ttfa.org slash shop. We're back. Carver is no longer married. Mimi still didn't know what to do with Carver's I love you, but she knew what to do with Carver, which was just to carry on how they had been, which was constant communication. One day they turned on Skype, and they just never turned it off. Literally. Like, with Carver in Seattle and Mimi in her room at her parents' house, on the other side of the continent,
2: they were just Skyping. So I would open my laptop up and Carver would open up their laptop and I'd go get ready in the morning. Carver would roll over in bed at two in the morning and watch me put my makeup on and I'd go off to do the gym and my day after that. I'd and then sleep. I'd come back in the afternoon and sometimes Carver would be home and sometimes they wouldn't. And We'd make dinner together over Skype. I'd be cooking in my kitchen. They'd be cooking in theirs. Um, we'd have, you know, our dinner sitting down together with the laptop. And I'd get ready for bed and tuck in, and there'd be my laptop screen watching me fall asleep. And then Carver would go about whatever else they needed to do for the evening. Somewhere during that
0: 24-7 live cam sesh, Mimi just realizes
2: that she loves Carver felt like I had to keep it at an arm's distance until I realized that it's just too amazing a thing to keep over there. I need it. I need I need that to be my life. I guess I just decided that it didn't matter what it meant. It just, I found this person and I loved them and they loved me and we needed to figure it out from there.
1: I don't actually remember Mimi actually sitting down and having a conversation with me that where she said, I am also in love with you. I think it was, I think it just evolved into, wow, we're just going forth into this relationship.
0: Carver loves Mimi. Mimi loves Carver. There's just one thing.
1: I was constantly saying, you you realize that I'm female. Like, you know I'm female. We're, we're dating now, and, and I'm female.
2: So- and <laughs> I was like... Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't miss that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you have to understand that, Mim, because we're now dating on Skype. Mimi is never coming out of her bedroom. So I'm like, you should. You've you've got to tell your parents because you're 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 always in your room. Like you never come out. They must be thinking something.
0: So this is a big moment for Mimi. She gathers up all of her courage, and decides. I'm I'm coming out, get it, like out of her room, but also coming out. She decides that she's going to tell her mom first.
1: I was like, okay, I'm here for you, sort of, because I'm in Seattle, but I'm here for you. And she goes up, and it wasn't, even, it wasn't even a minute. She comes back down. She sits down back in front of the computer, and I'm like, how was it? And she was like, my mom was watching Ellen. <laughs> and I said, Mom, I'm dating somebody, and she... Turned and she was like, "Okay." And she was like, "And it's a girl." And her mom was like, "Yeah, I kind of figured." And then that was it. That was the conversation. Yep. And then her mom went back to watching Ellen. Pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much how that happened.
2: No big deal. I know, like no,
0: no, like (laughs) she's like, "No, are you going to continue to interrupt Ellen for me, or did you (laughs) have something important to tell me?" She's like, (laughs) "I don't know if you
1: know this, but I'm watching Ellen right now." Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So with that out of the way. And mom back to watching Ellen. Mimi and Carver, who haven't seen each other since April, plan to meet in Vancouver in July. This will be their second IRL meeting.
1: The premise is is that we were dating and we wanted to be together. And I lived in America and Mimi didn't. So we needed to figure out how to be together. and And it made the most sense to get married so that I could go to Canada.
0: July
2: arrives. Mimi heads off to Vancouver, to her wedding, maybe. And I said to myself when I got on this plane, I was like, no one knows. If it doesn't feel right for a second, you can just bail.
0: Mimi arrives in Vancouver and she and Carver get to do all that regular relationship stuff. I
2: remember our first kiss in the elevator at the airport. He secretly asked my co-worker to get my ring size so that he could propose with a ring at the end of a mud run we did together in which the diamond was tied to his shorts the entire time
1: this was that was my way of the universe I was like I'm gonna tie this in my shorts and if it's gone by the end of the race we're not getting married
2: <laughs> I was shocked completely shocked I did not anticipate because we'd decided that we were going to elope to sort of keep the cost of getting married reasonable Um, And I had convinced Carver to spend money on photographers because if I wasn't going to tell my family I was getting married, I at least had to have good pictures. So I never imagined he would have found extra money to buy me a ring. So I was absolutely shocked. Three days later, they were married. But there was still the whole
0: American-Canadian thing to deal with. And each of them still had jobs in their respective cities. So the marriage didn't really change much. They were still long distance. You might be asking yourself, but why is this a TTFA story? What's so terrible about this? Well,
2: how about this? I was on a coffee run from work. I just went for coffee. I had a tray of coffee in my hand. I was crossing the crosswalk and I thought I had made contact with this person in a truck and they weren't looking at me. And I was walking and they plowed into me. So are you happy now?
0: Like, is the story terrible enough for you now that Mimi's been hit by a truck? Is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted? The truck, I mean, she was in a crosswalk, so the truck wasn't you know speeding. It wasn't going very fast. But she's still got hit by a truck. And she's incapacitated. It's November. It's only been four months since they got
2: married. Carver got the phone call. Uh, the ambulance driver, I remember, asking for my cell phone and said, who should I call? And I was like, well, you have to call. You have to call my partner. So they call them. and Carver's phone is ringing. I never called. I always texted. So So I don't know why
1: she's calling. And I I remember answering the phone and saying, ha, 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 you butt-dialed me. And then hearing somebody else's voice.
2: And the ambulance driver says, "Um, so Megan's been in an accident, and you're going to have to come to the hospital?
1: I said, I can't come to the hospital because I'm in Seattle. And I... I literally packed a bag and told all my friends that I was leaving and told my work I was leaving. And I was on a plane uh, three hours later and trying to get to Halifax as soon as I could.
0: Their young marriage, which was already unusual due to the four time zones between them, is now even more unusual because they are newlyweds living in rural Halifax with Mimi's parents. Carver can't work. She's an American who lives in Canada. They don't just let you work right away. And Mimi can't work out. She has chronic pain from the accident, which eventually means that she can't work either. So they have no income. And the things that brought them together, fitness and health, can't really be a part of Mimi's life like it had been. And that's hard. It's hard on both of them.
2: I had all these expectations of what life with Carver was going to be like. I was going to introduce Carver to my trainer, and we were going to work out together. We were going to cook together, and we were going to be able to do these great hikes all around the coastline of Nova Scotia. And he's now here, and for a little while, I couldn't even really get around, let alone be able to introduce him to all these things and feel strong. I felt defeated and like I was disappointing him the first year was just not at all what I expected. Yeah, no,
1: it was a, it was a struggle for us because you know I I got to Halifax and I continued to move and I continued to run and marathons and doing half Ironmans and and from my perspective needing to have that that physical movement but also not wanting Mimi to feel like she's less of a person because she's not able to keep up with me and then also not wanting to feel guilty because I was continuing to move and and move in longer distances and in greater amounts um, and really having to be very kind to the relate we had to be very kind to the to the marriage in the very beginning it was like a little little chickadee you know, in our hands. And we just had to be like, okay, marriage, this is not what we thought it was gonna be. We thought we were gonna get, you know, a puppy, but here's this tiny little chickadee. And so we're gonna, you know, just love it and let it evolve the, the way that it's gonna evolve.
2: Carver has maintained his weight loss. So I find I compare myself a lot. Our stories aren't the same anymore. And that sometimes feels like the strength of how we met.
1: I think for me, the the transformation is ongoing. And I think that we all have these sort of visions of grandeur. We're going to lose all this weight and we're going to be totally in love with our bodies. And then you get to that space and you're like, actually, I don't I don't love my body. And so then you realize that it's not about the physical aspects of who we are, but it's about sort of loving the the mental aspects of who we are. So I think that we just make these assumptions that the body's going to get to a place where it's going to be more perfect than what we had, and then you get to that place, and you're like, oh, shit, it actually, I actually don't love it like I thought I would.
0: Collectively, Mimi and Carver have lost 270 pounds. And they're no longer long distance. They're together together. They live in Vancouver. Mimi is recovering from being hit by a truck, but she's active in the same CrossFit that Carver is. Carver's body is totally different than what they anticipated wanting when they started this whole transformation. And Carver and Mimi are both happy. Seven years into a marriage and a life that neither of them saw coming.
1: I love really everything about Mimi I love the fact that she still struggles in her emotional stability and she's not afraid to to back down from that like she's not afraid to have those feelings I think sometimes she feels like it's um, they're not appropriate or that it's cumbersome but they're not because they are feelings and I and I do appreciate that. I love her eyes and her smile, and Nora when she puts on red lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that she can she can command a room in her intelligence, in the way that she teaches people, in the way that she talks to people. I just I really love everything about her.
2: I love Carver's constant ability to want to be more Carver. I love the way I can read Carver's love for me just by how he looks at me now. I love how he is feeling himself physically more. I love how he dances in the car. And I love... How when I'm really upset, he'll hold my hand and it brings me back to earth. I love that he's my person. That's squishy. (laughs) Hashtag squishy.
0: This story is a TTFA story, even though it didn't end up terrible. The terrible here is maybe a little harder to spot. It's not just that Mimi got hit by a truck, although I am sorry about that, Mimi. It's not just that Carver broke their husband's heart, although I'm sorry about that too. It's that all of this almost didn't happen. There are countless reasons that this love could have not happened, millions of internal and external forces that could have kept them apart. Kept them unhappy. Kept Mimi believing that she was unlovable. Kept Carver from becoming Carver. Carver or Mimi could have never started the journeys that brought them together. They could have never written about it. They could have never posted that same blog post or answered one another's comments. Mimi could have gone to a different conference in another city. She could have said... Thanks, but no thanks, when Carver said, I love you. Every one of these choices is a step that they took that eventually led them to where they are and who they are. The story has so much transformation in it, but the biggest one isn't that Carver and Mimi lost the equivalent weight of, like, six average kindergartners. And it isn't that Carver is transitioning from female to male. It's that process of each of them falling in love with each other and falling in love with themselves, not just for their bodies, but for who they are.
1: I'm I'm coming into sort of an interesting part of my life right now, being 48. My mother um, died very young and my oldest brother also died very young. So my mother was 52 and my brother was 51. So I'm coming into that age group now where I, they were both sick by the time they were my age at 48 right now. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that, about how, how sick my mother was at 48, how sick my brother was at 48 and how not sick I am at 48, that I am healthy, that I my my body is healthy my heart is healthy my muscles are healthy my brain is healthy um and I don't know when or if that's going to change anytime soon but right now today I am healthy and I love and appreciate everything about that in my in my body every every day I wake up and I'm like oh here we are and I'm not sick this is awesome
2: I like that I can keep showing up at 5 a.m. in the gym and trying and slowly getting stronger. Even if I'm the athlete that's scaling the workout the most, I still feel like it's a great thing to show up and that my body can get me through whatever that scaled version of the workout is. I love feeling stronger mentally. I have those demons. I can wrestle with them, but I can still come out on the other side. I love that I'm stronger than I thought I had the power to be. I love that even when stuff happens in my life that I can still put it all together and find a way to move through it. I love that I have an appreciation for my body now that I didn't have in 2010. I love that I can see I am a lovable person. And I love that I can admit that and feel like it's not a facade. It's not, I'm not just saying it.
0: It could have been terrible for both of them. It was for a while. And it might be again, statistically, it's going to be. But it will never be the terrible that it was, because they're different now, because everything is different now, and not because of their bodies either, but because nothing in this world transforms us like love does. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McInerney. Hans Buto is our senior producer. Hannah Meekock-Ross is our project manager. Muna Omar is our intern and just a delight, a sunshiny person. We recorded this episode live in... I'm, I'm alive. Hans is alive. We did it live in front of the Terrible Club, our Facebook group, members only, friends forever. Who watched on a Facebook Live? We have two live shows coming up at the Fitzgerald Theater, April 13th and April 14th, 2018. You can get tickets at Fitzgeraldtheater.org. It's gonna rule. Take my word for it. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. He's Joffrey Lamar Wilson on Instagram. You should follow him and buy all of his music. He's incredible. We are a production of American Public Media. The acronym for that is APM.